This is BWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, this is Richard Ingebretson from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Today, we're going to talk about common climbing injuries. So rock climbing has been uh, around for a very, very long time. Uh, there are paintings uh, from thousands of years ago showing Chinese men rock climbing. But more recently, uh, they have discovered uh, that climbing is a lot older than that. There's evidence that uh, it's been around for inhabitants of this planet millions of years ago when the very primate ancestors of our of uh, we Homo sapiens put their hands up on the rock and climbed vertically up into the air, everything from storing uh, food to um, defense and uh, hunting. But it was thought that uh, rock climbing, as we know now, more of a sport, started about 100 years ago in the late uh, 1800s in Europe and then uh, quickly spread from Europe to uh, uh, around the world. And now it is a very, very distinct, very popular uh, athletic activity. Um, so um, a lot of medical studies have been looking at rock climbers. And if you are a rock climber or if you're going to uh, treat rock climbing, then you need to know sort of some of the basic problems. If you are a rock climber, uh, then you become familiar with the aches and pains. And uh, you will already know a lot of things that we're going uh, to talk about. Um, a lot of injuries are traumatic, someone falling or bumping, uh, and uh, it could be either minor or uh, rather severe, and people die rock climbing. Um, a, but the most common injuries end up being the overload injuries of the tendons, joints, and the muscles. Now, one thing you need to know that uh, the layers, the, you know, the uh, people who help rock climbers get up on there can be injured also. Uh, when uh, the basic uh, premise of rock climbing is that as climbers ascend their roots, they, be, uh, they clip into these pieces of protection in the rock. Uh, this will help catch them if they fall. So if you go up every foot or every meter, uh, the last piece of protection as a climber goes up, they will then fall two feet or two meters before the rope begins to slow them down. Uh, so uh, climbing ropes are very dynamic and can stretch well, as far as up to 30% of their length as you try to slow their fall rather than just bring it to an abrupt stop. Um, as you know, injuries uh, typically happen not by going fast, but by stopping quickly. And the more abrupt the, a stop is in any uh, uh, situation, the, the more damage that can be done to the body. So uh, uh, when someone falls, stretching the rope or having a belayer extend the fall will help the uh, climber from experiencing injuries. Um, the, the actual gear itself is able to withstand a lot of uh, forces. A lot of ropes are up to 20 kilonewtons, which is a lot greater than the fall will generate. So it's very difficult that a, that a rope would uh, snap. But uh, uh, belayers uh, can get injured. Now, a lot, you know, most of the rock uh, climbing injury talk is about the climber itself, but the belayers are injured uh, quite a bit also. Uh, one of the most common injuries that a belayer will get is being slammed into the wall uh, when a climber falls. 
This happens if the belayer is too far from the wall, creating this sort of broad pendulum effect. And if a belayer doesn't let out the slack when a climber falls, they will be uh, uh, drawn into the cliff and they can be uh, injured. Uh, In fact, many climbing injuries, such as sprained and broken ankles and arms, uh, happen when uh, when, when that pendulum effect happens. Belayers can also be injured by uh, falling uh, rocks as well. Um, uh, falling uh, uh, climbers have hit belayers. There are many cases where climbers have become stranded on the cliff when the belayer is injured uh, uh, or killed even by uh, falling debris. Another common injury that uh, happens to climbers is if they pass their leg in front of the rope and then will fall. The rope grabs or uh, wraps around the leg and flips them upside down causing them to hit their head or injure their neck when they impact the rock. Uh, this can cause uh, very severe spinal uh, trauma and concussions. This is one reason why helmets are worn while uh, climbing to reduce the impact from these particularly dangerous falls. However, in uh, all of climbing, uh, the most dangerous moment for a climber is not while ascending, uh, but the transition to descending. At the top of a route, a climber will uh, build anchors to protect themselves, And when done with a climb, uh, they will remove this protection and momentarily they will shift from one safety system to another. Sadly, mistakes uh, have been made uh, at this very critical moment when climbers are thinking that they are secured to the second system, but they're not, and fall the full length of the route. This is one of the most common mistakes that results in climbing deaths. But many injuries... uh, that happen to climbers are not traumatic in nature and not related to the forces of falling. Uh, These are the constant and never-ending extreme forces that are put on the small tendons and ligaments of the hands and shoulders and wrists and uh, other joints. Uh, 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 Blood vessels and feet uh, experience these. And um, if you're going to talk about injuries to a rock climber, uh, you really need to talk about the hands. Because the hands uh, are where the rock climber uh, really feels uh, forces and uh, damage and injuries. Uh, The tendons of the hands are uh, what move the fingers uh, uh, from the muscles that are up in the arms. And and in order for the tendons to work, they have to be held tightly to the fingers by a series of pulleys or straps. And the straps don't wrap all the way around the fingers to hold the tendons in. They uh, wrap partway around and are kind of glued uh, to the fingers. If you want to see a visual image of this or think of one, you can think of a fishing rod that has the the line going through the uh, little eyelets. And this is sort of how the tendons work in the hands. And they they number these uh, pulleys uh, one through five. They're called A1, A2, A3, A4, and A5. And it it turns out that the the, uh, A2 pulley which is a little more close, and the A3 pulley are the ones that tend uh, to be uh, injured uh, the, the, the very, very uh, most. Um, if you read uh, most literature, most uh, uh, talk about which uh, pulleys are injured, it's the A2. But lately, uh, a lot of uh, data has been pointing to the um, A3 pulley. Now, uh, we talk about joints of the hand as being distal, meaning far away or proximal. And, um, uh, and one common injury that happens in climbers 
is uh, what they call a crimp grip. And this is where the climber will extend the DIP joint while flexing the PIP joint. In other words, they just grab the rock and they uh, put their thumb around uh, to, uh, to uh, hold on. Uh, enormous forces are then put on the A2 and the A3 pulley at this time, even the A4 pulley. The A2 pulley will get up to 31 and a half times uh, the force they normally get. Uh, the A4 pulley will get up to almost four times that much. And so um, uh, it's the, uh, the crimp grip or this uh, uh, grabbing of the rock which will then cause uh, a lot of the problems. So these are the, the, uh, the pulleys that are uh, most damaged. It usually happens, uh, 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 the crimp grip uh, usually uh, causes problems in, uh, when one or two things happens. One is uh, when a climber loads the pulley past the threshold uh, that they're able to withstand, uh, one uh, during a dynamic movement, off of a crimp grip when they're uh, reaching or stretching. And then another one that can cause uh, increased loading is, an a is accidental uh, when a foot slips or, or a rock will break and then uh, they're holding on with the crimp grip and uh, the loading on uh, those pulleys is just more than they can uh, withstand. And when uh, trauma happens to these pulleys, it can be significant or it can be minor. Um, and that then becomes uh, in the field when you're uh, with a climber or you are a climber, and you're going to have to make uh, some judgment as to what to do. Uh, the, tr the, the prevention uh, and the treatment are almost kind of the same, and that is the best treatment is prevention. So um, uh, gentle climbing and good technique uh, and avoiding uh, overloading the, the tendon pulleys is uh, really the best way to avoid uh, problems. Um, these include exercises such as tendon glides to increase mobility. Uh, there's a lot of finger exercises that use elastic uh, uh, adjunct methods such as rubber bands to strengthen the tendons themselves. But the techniques really are very important. Climbers should focus on using their feet to make upward progress instead of pulling hard with their hands. Now this is something that is taught in climbing, but it's more than just a technique. It really is a health issue and uh, climbers need to make a conscious effort to use the full crimp grip less often when possible and try to use their feet more. Now, if you, uh, a, a climber has damaged a pulley, uh, then you really need to make a diagnosis. It's sometimes going to be very hard in the field uh, to do this. Um, uh, usually, it's recommended that you get an ultrasound if the pain is significant or if it's uh, interfering with climbing. Uh, pulley injuries are usually uh, divided into grades, grade 1, grade 2, grade 3, and grade, grade 4. The grade 1 pulley sprains are considered to be like a partial tell, tear of a single pulley. There is no need for immobilization. Uh, gentle range of motion exercises, uh, bending the finger until it uh, feels tight and holding it and then relaxing it, repeating these, will usually allow the climber to get back uh, rather uh, quickly. Um, and you can, and you can uh, continue to do that until uh, the patient or you uh, uh, feel comfortable climbing. But a grade two is where you have a complete A4 uh, or partial A2 or A3 tear or rupture. Uh, you usually have to mobilize the fingers at that time for a couple of weeks uh, to let them get better. 
uh, and then you start gentle range of motion exercises. There are some techniques like H-taping for three months uh, while climbing after you're able uh, to climb again with, uh, uh, climb again with the uh, grade 2 uh, uh, injuries. It's, uh, it's impossible, really, in the field to tell which, uh, if you have a grade 1 or grade 2, you, you really might need an ultrasound. Unless you've had some experience and you know that if it is just a grade 1. The grade 3 or where the A2 or A3 pulleys are completely torn, uh, you're going to need to immobilize those with uh, splints or pulley protection splints that you can buy online. Gentle range of motion exercises, H-taping, you might need for six months. There are some studies that have recommended surgical repair for grade 3. Uh, if you have a grade 4, this is an annual pulley rupture. Uh, there's nothing you can do uh, to let these heal on their own. You're really going to need surgical repair for these, and then they're going to have to go through uh, a lot of range of motion and recovery if that happens. But again, the, the way to prevent pulley injuries uh, and to treat pulley injuries is really prevention and uh, to know uh, about the crimp grip and the stresses that are placed on pulleys and don't let, let them happen. But it is not always just the hand pulleys and hand tendons that get into trouble, uh, uh, trouble with um, climbers. Um, an interesting fact is that the Muscles that control the hand and the, hence the crimp grip and uh, the use of the fingers are further up in the arm. So a series of tendons go through the forearm uh, starting at uh, the, the muscles to operate the fingers. There are two flexor uh, tendon uh, systems that are most often injured. The first is called the flexor digitorium profundus and the second is the flexor digitorium superficialis. Both of these originate up near the elbow and then extend from the forearm muscles down to the fingers. The uh, flexor uh, digitorum profundus uh, is different in that it ends at the far end of the fingers, while the flexor digitorum uh, superficialis ends at the middle of the fingers. What this means is, is that the uh, profundus is used more in climbing holds since it travels near to the tips of the fingers. Uh, they all run within a sheath which is designed to reduce friction as they move back and forth, and this sheath then become uh, inflamed and cause a tendonitis. Flexor tendon injuries uh, happen in uh, sort of three ways. The first is when excessive strength is placed on the tendon itself, and um, uh, the profundus is a more common injury because of the fact that it does all the way to the fingertips and can be injured in the uh, crimp grip. The superficialis tendon is not uh, as under uh, as a, not under as much stress uh, when in that position. So when the strength of a tendon is exceeded, it can lead to injury or even rupture. This most often is uh, when a climber accidentally falls or increases the load on a tendon uh, uh, when uh, they're in that grip. Overuse is the second most common way flexor tendon uh, injuries happen. And this can lead to a, a chronic tendonitis. Another common way to injure these tendons is um, a, a kind of a, 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 an interesting way, and that is if a climber's fingers were in a pocket or say they were jammed in a crack, and then while their fingers are in there, their foot slipped and their fingers were stuck in the rock, uh, essentially hanging their body weight uh, from these tendons. Uh, this is something that uh, climbers should be uh, trained for. Uh, 
But for as far as these tendons go, um, these weak tendons are really susceptible to injury from exceeding their strength. It is an important preventive measure to train tendons and muscles appropriately. So strong shoulder and upper arm muscles will help prevent overuse of these very, very important tendons. You can you know, lose, uh, use low weight uh, with high repetition shoulder exercises, such as with an exercise band, you know, can be very uh, useful on this. It's important to have good balance of uh, training strength while also stretching the tendons uh, 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 during uh, training. So rock climbing has been uh, around for a very, very long time. Uh, there are paintings uh, from thousands of years ago showing Chinese men rock climbing. But more recently, uh, they have discovered uh, that climbing is a lot older than that. There's evidence that uh, it's been around for inhabitants of this planet millions of years ago when the very primate ancestors of our of uh, we homo sapiens put their hands up on the rock and climbed vertically up into the air. Everything from storing uh, food to um, defense and uh, hunting. So uh, it really sort of became a, a, a European rock climbing event. <clears throat> the treatment of uh, tendonitis or injury to these uh, is usually a conservative um, a range of motion exercises for the tendons. Of course, resting them uh, while they recover is important. The uh, exercising the profundus uh, should be full extension of the fingers and wrist with the elbows at 90 degrees. For the superficialis, it's the same, but with the elbow in full extension. Finger rolls can help also. Uh, but as we go up from the fingers to the arms, now we've got to go to shoulder injuries because these are uh, very, very common. Uh, a subluxation of the shoulder uh, is a problem. Usually this is done to a climber who is bouldering or who makes large overhead moves and uh, makes these shoulders very susceptible to subluxation. Uh, or uh, uh, which what, what that means is a partial dislocation of the shoulder. It really happens uh, as a result of extending the shoulder's ball joint too far uh, uh, forward. Usually people feel a sharp pain in the back of the shoulder and will need to stop climbing immediately. Uh, continued movement at this point could result in a full dislocation. So recovery, uh, if it's a dislocation, you have to reduce the shoulder. But recovery from a partial uh, subluxation or a subluxation will require uh, physical therapy and medical care. Stretching, conditioning, and strengthening will need what you do. But prevention is going to be the key to this. And make sure that you don't get into a situation where you're going to partially uh, dislocate or sublux the uh, shoulder. You know, yoga is really good uh, for a lot of sports uh, uh, preparation. And it really is in uh, with climbers on shoulders. Be sure to ease into difficult movements. Uh, start on easy grades and, and then work your way up. Backing off if you start to feel any kind of discomfort in your shoulders. Warming up is good. But really, uh, uh, sort of a no before you go. Uh, onto the boulders or the cliffs is really important. Climbers are also a uh, high suspect for rotator cuff tears. It's a serious uh, injury and something that you need to watch for. If a climber comes in with shoulder pain, um, uh, this needs to be considered as opposed to, like, or if you experience it, so as opposed to like a dislocation, it's, it's possible to tear the muscles uh, in the shoulder uh, itself. This usually results pain and aching in the upper arm 
and shoulders when the arms were lifted above the head. Uh, that could signify a minor tear. Uh, climbers uh, may experience some weakness and some numbness in the upper arm going down into their arm. Again, prevention is the key to this. Stretching is a great, uh, great way to kind of help prevent rotator cuff tears, but really getting those, uh, keeping your shoulders uh, in a way that they aren't uh, subjected to those forces. And what's interesting is uh, in, among primates, monkeys and, uh, are very good at stretching their arms way above their heads, but humans are not. And so putting our arms way above our head is just something that we're really not that good at. If you suspect a rotator cuff care, um, they are not going to heal on their own usually. So uh, after any injury, it's important to get an accurate diagnosis. Uh, you may not need surgery, and you may be able to strengthen, strengthen the other mu muscles, but uh, this is something that needs to be uh, considered, that is surgery for a rotator cuff tear. We always talk about the arms, the fingers, shoulders, hands, but uh, the foot is a really common uh, uh, injury with climbers, so you really need to uh, 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 go down low and start talking about that. And in fact, recent studies have shown that foot and ankle pathology account for up to 86% of uh, rock climber injuries. Um, so these can be overuse uh, injuries. Um, uh, the degree of rock climbing and competitive rock climbing can increase the uh, uh, number of foot injuries. And uh, then uh, another one, and uh, rock climbers will know this, they like to wear small shoes. This gives them a greater grip on the hill, uh, mountain and on the cliff. But wearing uh, small shoes is uh, very hard on the, on the feet. Uh, rock climbing shoes are usually made of, uh, of leather uppers and uh, rubber toe and heel caps. The rubber of climbing shoes is uh, specially formulated to stick to rock features and improve friction. It's very important. And depending upon the individual performance, uh, as well as uh, climbing difficulty level, athletes wear climbing shoes that are uh, snugged uh, to uh, extremely, extremely tight. Uh, they typically wear uh, shoes that are several sizes smaller than they wear uh, in their street shoes. Climbing shoes have variable features to improve performance on a different terrain, and these features include downturned toes for overhanging rock and stiff toe boxes for uh, uh, specific uh, crack climbing. While, uh, you know, these are really good for performance, uh, they contribute to many of the acute and chronic climbing-related injuries. And amongst those are the toenail injuries. Uh, uh, climbers need to make sure that their uh, toenails are trimmed. Otherwise, they're going to get uh, blood blisters or what are called subungual hematomas under their toes. They can also get tough fractures. Uh, that is, tiny fractures at the tip of their toes from sling, uh, swinging into the, uh, their foot in, into the rock wall. If there is a bleed under a toenail, those can be drained on site, usually with a needle or a, a drill, or you can buy uh, burning instruments that, uh, that you can actually uh, get the blood out of the toe, and that will relieve the pain. That will allow the rock climber to keep the nail and will allow the rock climber uh, to continue to climb. If you get a tough fracture uh, in the, the, from uh, slamming a rock uh, into the uh, rock wall, uh, then you're going to have to change... Uh, uh, the shoe so the uh, climber can, uh, can actually uh, continue to climb. Another important injury that results as the tight-fitting shoes is basically what we're going to call as a bunion. Uh, it's called hallux valgus, and this is at the base of the great toe. 
you get these gradual degenerative changes there because of the uh, the shoe that they wear. Uh, this is a biomechanical alteration of the foot as uh, the shortening and contraction of those tendons. This is something that needs to be watched. Uh, the, uh, in, this is a, a problem uh, in people who uh, climb uh, a great deal. Um, another common injury is what's called the Liz Frank injury. Uh, the Liz Frank injury is often seen in uh, uh, football and soccer, but rock climbers are at a much increased risk for this. Uh, this is uh, the ligaments in the middle part of the foot, and if uh, this can happen with an abrupt injury or it can be over a chronic. So you don't want to miss a Liz Frank uh, injury uh, in rock climbers. And the last injury you want to mention is a suspension trauma. Uh, blood can pool in the legs of a climber if they are suspended in a vertical or sitting position for too long a period. Uh, blood will pool in the legs. It is uh, really essential that the muscle... Uh, and the leg contract to squeeze blood back up to the heart and up to the brain. If it pools there for too long, people uh, become uh, lightheaded and will, can actually faint while they're on the rock wall. And this is a very serious condition, especially if they're high on the wall and are alone and being belayed because uh, uh, of the fact that they're just sitting or hanging in a position. Uh, climbers should not be in this position for very long. Um, and the other problem that happens is if they do get in this position, then the uh, blood pooling can be in their legs, and then uh, some of the metabolic byproducts uh, uh, that occur in the legs uh, when you get the climber down can then travel to the kidney and cause uh, kidney damage. So if a climber does pass out or has feelings of lightheadedness or dizziness, hot flashes or, uh, or a change in their heart rate, uh, increased sweating. These are all signs that are getting suspension trauma and need to come down quickly. And then you just need to make sure that those people uh, uh, are, are taken to a hospital or evaluated uh, for these uh, suspension trauma problems. There are a lot of um, uh, uh, injuries that happen to rock climbers that are typical, like hypothermia and hyperthermia and frostbite. Uh, and ice climbing and things that we didn't cover in environmental issues. But these are things that you also need to watch out for. Make sure that uh, if you are the medical person uh, that is involved in rock climbing or that if you are a medical person and you are rock climbing or if you're just a rock climber that you're aware of the potential problems and uh, prevention is always uh, the key to any uh, uh, outdoor injuries, especially in, in this case. This ends the uh, podcast on rock climbing. And as always, we thank you for listening.